0: Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey.
1: Hello, it's Paul and Byron by the Vancouver Giants. I'm Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades. I'm Dylan Cousins of the Westbridge Hurricanes. Hey guys, this
0: is Cam Burt.
1: Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. It's Alex Turcotte from King USA.
0: Hi, it's Maurice Sider from the Mannheim. am This is Alexis Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Major Junior. They were the best in the QMJHL, and now the Huskies are Memorial Cup champions. NCAA. Everybody in that Bulldog section's on their feet. The bench is ready to party as the UMD Bulldogs are back-to-back national champions. The World Juniors. Time winding down, and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style. The NHL Draft. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. And more.
2: Unbelievable.
0: Wow. That's incredible. This is the Pipeline Show. All right. Good weekend. Welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. That's me. I hope wherever you are, you are self-isolated and everybody that you know is doing well. I know it's a strange day's. Uh, But we'll continue with the Pipeline show as if uh, things are pretty much normal. Uh, So it is a weekend episode, and of course, uh, usually these come out on Fridays. I am a day late. Let's be honest, might feel like a Monday right now, every day. But it's a Saturday as I'm speaking with you, and um, usually we start with the uh, question of the day. Uh, And I guess the question of the day this week is, uh, go back to the uh, Twitter polls that I've been putting out, it's the CHL Logo Tournament. And uh, there's been a lot of response and a lot of action. This is actually, I wasn't sure how people would react to it, but it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, people are uh, responding and uh, it's it's uh, progressing nicely. We're into the uh, round of 32 right now. In fact, the, the round of 32 ends today as I'm uh, speaking with you right now. Uh, I can pull up the uh, the live results with just under an hour to go. The Regina Pats have a nice, uh, comfortable lead over the Owen Sound Attack, and this is based solely on the logo. The primary logo for each team's had all 60 CHL teams, uh, but you need 64 entries, so I uh, added the uh, the logos for the three leagues: the OHL, the Q, and uh, the WHL. And that need I needed one more, and I thought, you know what, screw it. I'm uh, in Edmonton. The Oil Kings are the closest team to me. They do have a fairly decent an alternate logo, so I included that one. I didn't think it would do as well as it has been thus far. I probably, if I was to do it all over again, I would have the two Oil King uh, logos meeting in the first round, just to make it fair. Uh, I didn't, and now I, I kind of regret that a little bit, uh, but uh, that's where we are. Can't start over now. So um, neck and neck race right now, Sarnia and the Vancouver Giants, 0.2%. Uh, uh, separating these clubs, Vancouver at 50.1% and Sarnia at 499 So a really solid uh, back and forth uh, competition between fans there. The Spokane Chiefs have a nice lead over the Kelowna Rockets and the Brandon Wheat Kings uh, well up on the London Knights. I was really surprised by that. I thought uh, just based on how many London Knights fans that there are, but maybe it's uh, working against them because, uh, listen, London's one of the uh, most Uh, Love teams are one of the teams that have the most fans, but everybody else hates the London Knights, and maybe everybody might be voting for Brandon. Uh, But the Weekings logo is pretty darn sharp. And then the uh, other uh, round of 32 matchups that will uh, the voting ends in about five hours' time, Uh, the Prince Albert Raiders and the Swift Current Broncos currently tied exactly after uh, 378 votes. It's a dead heat, 50% each. Medicine Hat has an advantage over Roy Noranda. The Everett Silvertips up on the Flint Firebirds by about 3%. That one actually surprises me. I thought uh, Flint would be the uh, the favorite in that one. And the Edmonton Oil Kings uh, alternate logo is uh, trailing slightly to the Portland Winterhawks logo, which is very, it's not the same, but it's very similar to the Chicago Blackhawks logo. So, the question of the day is uh, basically take part and uh, go to the my Twitter feed at TPS underscore Geek. I'm tweeting out, I think it's eight matches a day, and then there are 24 hour uh, votes, so they expire the next day. And uh, as results come in, I'm tweeting out the next matchups. Uh, so, shortly we will be into the Sweet 16, and then we'll wrap it up. And this has gone so well, I've already started to uh, put together a bracket for. Uh, NCAA hockey logos it it appears we're going to have time on our hands folks so we'll continue going down this path and uh, just trying to have some fun uh, not much for news and notes, but we can get to uh, some uh, uh, signings especially out of college hockey as uh, last week we left off with a uh, Jack Sean, uh, signing with the Boston Bruins well since then Scott Perunovich has uh, signed with uh, St. Louis he of course from the Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs uh, was drafted by uh, the Blues and has come to terms. Uh, Trevor Zegris, one and done at BU. He is uh, turned pro now with the Anaheim Ducks. Wade Allison's uh, injury-plagued college career has come to an end. After four years, he has uh, been signed by the Philadelphia Flyers. The Anaheim Ducks, Inc., both Jack Badini and uh, Hunter Drew. Uh, Hunter Drew actually was uh, playing in the American Hockey League last year, sorry. Here's a CHL signing. Johnny Ludwig of the Portland Winterhawks signs with the Florida Panthers. Uh, Tyler Madden, who was drafted by Vancouver but uh, was traded uh, to the LA Kings uh, at the uh, NHL trade deadline. Uh, He has left Northeastern to sign with the LA Kings. Brinson Pashnuk, who was on our show and told us there was an NHL deal basically almost complete. Uh, That has now been announced. He's with the San Jose Sharks, who also signed John Leonard uh, from the UMass Minutemen, so he was a teammate of uh, Mario Ferraro, who uh, had a really, really good rookie year with the uh, San Jose Sharks this season. Philip Kroll of the Spokane Chiefs signs with the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Columbus Blue Jackets, Inc. Tim Burney out of uh, Switzerland, who they drafted. Justin Richards leaves the Minnesota Duluth to sign with the New York Rangers, and the Chicago Blackhawks sign a pair of guys they drafted. Evan Barrett out of Penn State, and Andre... Alta Barmakian, who uh, was playing in Russia. Both of them, I believe it, they were third-round picks a couple of years ago by the Chicago Blackhawks. So a bunch of signings there. And the other uh, news of note, the Hobie Hattrick has uh, been pared down to uh, the final three players. Scott Perunovich, who we just mentioned, uh, from Minnesota Duluth. Jordan Kawaguchi, who was on the show, Canadian, playing with the Fighting Hawks of North Dakota. And Jeremy Swayman. Of the uh, main black bears. Uh, those are the three. And I believe they will make. Uh, the final announcement here in. Uh, it would usually go during the Frozen 4. Which will be. Uh, would have been played next weekend. The Hobie Baker's usually on the Friday. So I would expect it to be uh, similar. This year. That's pretty much it for uh, news and notes. We'll get to uh, the guest list here in a second. Reminder that all my guests. Join me courtesy the Troubled Monk hotline. And right now. You order the same day by 3 o'clock, and you are getting a delivery to your house. Oh, pardon me. It's 1 o'clock now, according to their website. You order by 1 o'clock. You get same-day delivery in Red Deer. You can also stop by the uh, tap room and pick it up yourself there. Uh, Edmonton and Calgary, you have to order it by 1 o'clock, and you get same-day delivery. All the different brews and flavors that you've uh, come to love, and a couple of new ones, the Juicy Gossip uh, New England IPA. Ooh, it says on their website they've just run out of stock on that one as it was uh, highly in demand. Uh, and maybe because of that, they've brought out a new one. I haven't uh, tried this one yet. Get in, loser. We're going brewing. It's a hibiscus lime witbier, The perfect match for any patio or good book. So uh, you can try that one right now uh, as well as all your favorites. Like the Rebels Red and the Daycation and the Golden Gates and the Bucktooth Belgian White. The Open Road American Brown Ale and the Pesky Pig, all of those ones are still available. Currently out of stock, though, on the Juicy Gossip New England IPA. Uh, you can also get the uh, the taster pack now, too. Uh, 30 bucks for the 12-can uh, taster pack. So I imagine uh, there'll be a lot of people uh, in this province taking advantage of that uh, that offer. And I saw uh, my friends Andrew Peard and Cam Moon, they tweeted a picture of themselves as Peard lives in downtown Edmonton in a uh, an apartment building, and uh, Mooner uh, has a an apartment there as well for uh, his uh, daughter who uh, goes to school here in Edmonton, uh, and uh, the two apartments are really close together. In fact, uh, almost practically neighbors. So they tweeted out a picture of them enjoying a couple of beverages uh, on their uh, balconies. I wanted to see one of them playing an accordion while the other one was singing opera, kind of like uh, we're seeing all these videos out of Italy and stuff like that. But uh, getting to see them sitting there and sharing a beer is, uh, is fine. And, of course, Mooner, Troubled Monk, a big part of uh, the Ready Rebels as well. And uh, he had his uh, Golden Gates can uh, featured prominently in his picture. As for the guest list today, well, we do have a 2020 draft spotlight, which we'll start with a defenseman with the Calgary hitman. His name is Luke Prokop. He's on the show today. Then back in February when I was chatting with all the ladies around junior or college hockey, I had a couple of suggestions to get this person on. But at the time, I was saying, well, I wanted to get media or people directly working in hockey. And I probably, I probably should have done this then anyway, but I thought, it might be a better conversation to have in the off season, and now when we have a, uh, a very, very much extended off season, uh, I called on Marisa Baker, who is the photographer, the team photographer, of the Kelowna Rockets, and one of the best uh, doing that job anywhere at any level. Uh, she was—I uh, I spoke with her for boy, it must have been forty, forty-five minutes—and uh, really enjoyed the conversation. And I think you're going to like it a lot too. So, uh, Marisa Baker on the show today. And we'll end things with uh, Mark Edwards from HockeyProspect.com. What does a scout do when there's no games to scout? Well, we'll talk to him about that and see how he and his staff are moving forward. And we'll also talk about five key guys for the 2020 NHL Draft as well. So all of that coming up on the show today. We'll start with Luke Prokop of the Calgary Hitmen. That's coming up next here on the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Dallas fed him the puck. Now Dallas spins and fires. off his and it stayed out
2: by Hey, it's Carter Hart of the Everett Silver Tips, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show.
3: Passion,
0: talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a 90% rate. NHLers Kyle Turris,
3: score! Wow, what a goal! And
0: Duncan Keith. Score! And future NHLers, Tyson Jost and Dante Fabro all took the campus route. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. You know, I hear the camera adds 10 pounds. Looks like you've eaten five cameras. We are back on the Pipeline Show. We'll begin this week's episode with a 2020 draft spotlight. My guest coming from the Western Hockey League, so that means it's an in-the-dub segment as well. Stay up to date on everything happening around the Western Hockey League. I know there's not a lot going on right now, but there are some newsworthy items. Uh, and Dub Network, it keeps you up to date. You can subscribe to get your daily dose of the dub. comes right to your inbox. You don't even have to search for it. Dubnetwork.ca. My guest today, big defenseman with the Calgary Hitman, Luke Prokop. Uh, welcome to the Pipeline Show. Luke, how are things?
1: Uh, good, gee, Thanks for
0: having me. Uh, pleasure to get a chance to speak with you. I know usually when I'm doing these, we're talking current events with, uh, you know, how's the team been playing and stuff lately. But I guess current events these days are, uh, what are you doing?
1: Uh, I've got a lot of free time on my hands. I'm not used to it normally. I'm, I'm either at school or at the rink. So uh, I've just been, been home. Uh, ever since we got we got back to Edmonton and kind of stayed home. I've been been reading books, working out, watching Netflix. That's all I can do these days.
0: Yeah so you are still able to to work out at home. Uh, Obviously you're not skating a whole lot I I don't imagine but um, a lot of uh, dry land training.
1: Yeah we we just got a a new house in, in December so uh, and then there, we got a gym downstairs, so it's got a, it's got a rack, a cable machine, basically everything you kind of need.
0: And you're a gamer, you said. What are you playing?
1: Ah, uh, I got some some NBA 2K, hmm. um, some Modern Warfare,
0: and some NHL. Josh play too? Your older brother?
1: Uh he's not that big into the games I play, but he plays. He still plays Fortnite with his friends.
0: Oh, okay. So, but you don't get into the Fortnite. I was going to say who's better, but uh we. I we used to play uh, quite
1: a bit when I was like, a couple of years back. Yeah, uh, I kind of got out of it, but if we were, it's probably still to go on a one v one. I'd probably still kick bass.
0: All right, good to know. Good to know. I I have an older brother too, so I always cheer for the younger brothers. Uh, that's <laughs> that's the way it works. We got to stick together. Yeah, exactly. uh, Luke broke up my guest. Uh, he plays for the uh, the Calgary Hitman uh, in the Western Hockey League, and this is the 2020 draft spotlight. Um, uh, tell me about when you where were you when you heard the news that season's over
1: um well I first kind of had a feeling that it was when I was uh I was watching basketball actually the the OKC and Utah game they canceled it because Rudy Gobert got the virus and I sort of had a feeling that you know the NBA if the NBA does something that it's going to go to the NHL and then us but um the first time I like, we heard that it was it was officially over um I think I was I was in my room back here back here home in Edmonton um we got on a conference call um and said that, that the season was officially over. Um we didn't know they postponed it for a bit. Yeah. But obviously the, the season got cancelled
0: a couple of days later.
1: Who makes that call? Um, we were on with our, our GM,
0: yeah. um, our vice president and our, and our coach. All right, so that's uh, Jeff Chenowth and and uh, Steve Hamilton, part of that uh, as well. Um, all right, well let's uh, since we can't talk about uh, any current hockey, and boy, I wish we could have playoffs and stuff like that. But um, let's talk about uh, what we did have this season and uh, the way things ended up. The Hitmen looked uh, safely secure into the playoffs, uh, finished fourth in the division, but not sure if you're the number one or the number two wild card. Um, how do you think the the season went uh, from your vantage point?
1: Um, from a from a team perspective, I we probably underachieved from from what we saw going in. You know, I think we had high hopes of 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 being a top seeded team going into playoffs and and obviously making a deep run. Um, we had our, our ups and downs like any team, um but we ended up losing our 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 arguably our top defenseman in in Yegor Zimula at the at the World Juniors. He uh he had offseason, any back surgery, so that. Uh, that took us back a little bit, and uh, you know, we just—I don't—I don't think we actually really recovered from that. We, we kind of had our more ups and downs, and, and we had really good games, and there'd be games where we get blown out. So, um, it was—it was all right, but uh, we definitely could have could have done better for sure.
0: That injury to Zamula at the World Junior, and I think that became official after the trade deadline. So really, the team couldn't do anything to address it either. So there was a big hole.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because I mean, he's. He's a guy who who could easily put up you know seventy points on the back end, and and when you when you lose someone like that, it's it's really hard to to uh, take take that points and put them somewhere else.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Everybody else has to try to step in, but uh, big shoes to fill for sure. Um, for you, uh, Luke, uh, I would use assess your uh, second full season in the WHL. You you had fourteen games uh, before your uh, full time rookie year last season, but um, this was this was your first or your second full year in the league. How things go compared to year one?
1: Um, pretty good. Uh, I'd say I got I got a lot. I
0: was a lot more comfortable heading into the season uh, than it was when I was when I was a rookie
1: at 16. Um, you just get to know the, the pace and the speed of the game and how how strong the other guys are. So it's more of a you get to know what you're going heading into. Um, and then for me, I think the start of my season, you know, I was I was still having maybe some issues with my confidence and I was having some some ups and downs and some good and bad games and then. Um, I kind of turned things around right after the the prospects game, and, and I kind of went uh, went on a roll with with offense and playing my best hockey there.
0: What changed, do you think, after the prospect game that you were able to, to get things going in a different direction?
1: Um, I probably think I'd probably say that it was just like the the belief I had in myself because I had a, I had I probably said I had one of my best games in my entire season at the prospects game. Mm. And just knowing that I could uh, have like that good of a game against, against the top players and draft eligibles and in, in the whole country, then then I, why can't I do it in, in my own
0: league with my team? For people who haven't had a chance to watch you play and uh, there'll be people hearing this interview that uh, maybe don't even follow the WHL and, you know, just getting ready for the NHL and casual NHL fans uh, We'll uh, listen to the interview to get to know you a bit. Um, let's get some background. You mentioned you're from Edmonton. Uh, is that where you're born and raised?
1: Yeah, born and raised, yeah.
0: All right. Who got you into hockey at a young age, or was it a case of older brothers doing it? I want to do it too.
1: Uh, it was probably more my dad than, than that. Obviously, it could be that scenario with my older brother, two years older than me, but uh, my dad kind of got both of us into
0: it from a from young age. Have you always been a defenseman? Yeah, I've always, I've always been a defenseman, yeah. How come? Your your brother's a forward, uh, and but uh, you know different different players. Obviously, you're a lot bigger than he is too. But uh, why on the back end was uh, that comfortable?
1: Um, I don't know. I think maybe growing up, I was uh, I was always I felt comfortable staying back and and not taking too many risks. So I'd probably say that's the reason.
0: Uh, the sheet I'm looking at says six foot four and two hundred eighteen pounds. Where are you at right now?
1: Uh, I'm six four and a quarter. And uh, probably around two, two twelve, two fifteen.
0: Okay, six four and a quarter. Wow, you're yeah, really gotta add the
1: quarter. Getting specific. I don't see myself on the quarter.
0: <laughs> Is that a bad hair day? It gets you up to six and a half or six point four? I really don't have any
1: hair, so I probably shouldn't get that high.
0: <laughs> now you're obviously a big guy. Uh, have you always been like one of the biggest kids in your class growing up, or did you have a sudden growth spurt when you were fourteen or something?
1: Uh, no, I've always been kind of pretty big. Um, when I was, I think when I was, when I was 13, I had my biggest spurt, probably, uh, three or four inches in the year. Um, but yeah, I've always been kind of the tallest, tallest kid in my class, tallest kid on my hockey team.
0: Have you stopped growing taller? Like as your body's, you're, you're starting to fill out more. I mean, you're already 218 or 215, whatever you said, but on the ice, you feel the difference as you grow. So has that stopped now? Um.
1: Yeah. I think. I think so. Uh, it might. Might still be. Still be growing, but slowly. Right. Um. If you. Yeah. If you look over like the, my heights and weights over the past. You know, two or three years, it's kind of tapered off since since Bantam and Pee Wee and stuff like that. Uh,
0: take me back to uh, the Bantam draft uh, for you. You didn't have to wait that long. Seventh overall pick by the Hitmen back in uh, 2017. Uh, but what was the draft day like for you? I know some guys get to stay home, and other guys. Are following along at school on their phones or whatever. And I've talked to some guys. They were off in Philadelphia that year at, at some sort of tournament. Uh, what were you doing?
1: Um, yeah, I actually, I my basically almost half of my team was at that tournament in Philly. But um, it was after after Alberta Cup, and I kind of wanted to shut it down. and Kind of had had enough of my season and thought I thought I had a really good one. And uh, I was just at home. Um, I went home straight from the tournament and got to spend a couple of days with my family. Um, The day of the draft, I I woke up bright and early with my parents and brother and sister, and we sat on the couch and watched the live stream. Uh,
0: And when uh, it is the Hitman that ends up being the team that selects you, what were your thoughts? Um,
1: I was I was ecstatic, you know, knowing the, the the players that have come through that franchise that have gone on to play professional hockey and. And being uh, being the NHL market was probably also one of the huge things that uh, that drew drew me to Calgary, and um, you know, getting to see the NHLers on a day to day basis and how how they go about their business was something I was really looking forward to.
0: Now, at the time, I, I don't think uh, the Hitman owned uh, Josh's rights at that time. He was drafted by Swift Current. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong.
1: No, yeah, you're correct. Yeah, he was in a he brought was got over in a trade from um, Swift that was with. Uh, um Malenstein and Gennaro um and fighting
0: that's right now was that before or after you were drafted by the hitmen
1: Uh, I was after I was in uh I was drafted in in May and then the trade I think was in
0: November and I think again correct me if I'm wrong but uh, Josh's initial intention was to go the college route Uh, were you in a similar situation
1: um no I I mean I I thought about it for sure Uh, my mom. My mom pretty drilled into us at a young age, you know how how important school is. But um, I never really, never really took too much thought about it. Um, Josh, Josh did quite a bit, and he, yeah, he was actually committed to to Ohio State for a bit. But uh, I guess, I guess his, he just didn't want to go the school route, so he just decided to hop over with me.
0: So, uh, yeah, that's it has got to be pretty nice that both of you end up in Calgary, getting a chance to play on the same team together for the last couple of years as kids. A two-year gap. Did you ever get to play on the same team growing up?
1: No, no. We would always, when we would uh, growing up, we'd always move up age groups as the other would. So,
0: right. if
1: I was going into my first year peewee, ban- first year pee-wee, he'd be going into his first year bantam and, and so on like that.
0: So uh, this has got to be a ton of fun for you guys, then.
1: Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, we live, we live with my parents. We rent a house down in Calgary, and and they stay there down with us, and and uh, just being in the day-to-day room with him and, uh, you know, outside of outside of the house and in the rink and seeing what he likes to do. Um, it's, it's pretty cool. Uh,
0: Luke Prokop is my guest here on the Pipeline Show in the 2020 draft spotlight. Um, 23 points this season, four of those are goals. He had a, a single goal last year. So I'm guessing any sort of uh, goal production off your stick is, is considered a bonus. But uh, for those who haven't had a chance to watch you play, how did, how would you describe your game?
1: Um, I'd say I'm a, I'm a strong two way defenseman. Um, I'm, I'm a great skater, good hockey IQ. Um, I have a really good stick. Um, and, and I have a, a good leader on the ice as
0: well. All right. But defense, would you say defense comes before your offense?
1: Yeah, for sure. I like to take care of my own end before I get to, get to the offense for sure.
0: And if I had a six foot four and 215 pound uh, 17 year old defenseman on my team, I'd hope that he brings a physical uh, element to his game. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's fair, and then that's probably what most most guys uh, look for as well. Yeah.
0: Yes. Uh, all right. Good. Um, now with the draft uh, up in the air, but let's assume that it goes forward and everything gets back to normal here sooner as opposed to later. Has the draft been something you, you spend a lot of time thinking about this year?
1: Um, not not so much this year, I guess. I guess a little bit more now that the that the season's over and there's not much I can really do to to improve on on what I where I go or, or anything like that. So I guess I'm I'm looking a bit at it more now than than I was during the
0: season. Now, are you a guy who goes to see you where you're ranked by Central Scouting or you know any of the other independent companies like that, or do you try not to look at that stuff?
1: Um, I guess I I I look at like Central Scouting when it would first come out, but all the other ones i wouldn't really uh, wouldn't really look at i I got off all social media for the season. I think it was eight or eight or nine months I got off, so I tried to to go away from all that stuff as 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 soon as I could for for the draft
0: so not a social media guy at all these days um no i I got back on uh, a
1: few weeks ago, but uh, I think it was just for the season to keep. Uh, Keep my keep my head on straight, I guess. <laughs> right.
0: Okay. Uh, we know Steve Hamilton up here pretty well because of all the time he spent uh, behind the bench of the Oil Kings. Uh, how's he helped you uh, down in Calgary and, and help make you a better player?
1: Yeah, Steve's been really good with my development. Um, you know, he takes he takes a lot of pride in in, in the development of, of his players, and um, I think you can see that with with the passion he has and um, the way he, he carries himself on the bench. And and he's he's emotional, but it's a it's a good emotional that that rubs off on us in the right way. Um, and he, he's really good. He's been good with me doing video with me. And, and when I ask him certain questions or ask him if, if I could do this or that, he's, he's, always, he's always pretty welcoming and, and, and just wants me to get better for sure.
0: Now, an Edmonton guy going down to play in Calgary, did you have uh, any second thoughts about it at first?
1: Uh, no, I don't know. Actually, I don't know why a lot of people ask me that. I think it's kind of a funny question, but, uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see it as any different. Edmonton's kind of the same as Calgary and stuff like that. So, uh, I, I don't know. I think the city's pretty cool.
0: Favorite NHL team growing up?
1: Oilers, 100%.
0: Wow. And for most of your life, they've been terrible. I mean, they're good now. Uh, but what, uh, I mean, just cause it's the hometown team or, or did you have a connection somehow?
1: Uh, no, I think, I mean, my dad was, uh, pretty good friends with some of the some of the old Oilers players like Ethan Morrow and Steve Stales so um, I got to go by I got to go into the dressing room a couple of times and, and meet meet some of the Oilers um, but other than that I think yeah just the hometown hometown connection um, and then obviously now they got they got McDavid and Dreisaitl and some pretty some pretty unreal talent on their team now so they're fun to watch.
0: Well, listen, Luke, I really appreciate the time. I enjoyed the conversation. Let's hope uh, everything gets back to normal here uh, sooner as opposed to later. And uh, wish you the best of luck, whatever happens at the draft.
1: Yeah, thank you very much, Keith.
0: There's Luke Prokop of the Calgary Hitmen. Thanks to uh, Scott Bonner at the uh, Sports Corp for setting up that interview for me. Next week, we'll have uh, Ben King, another uh, Sports Corp guy, King with the Swift Current Broncos. So, right now, Prokop uh, looks like. Kind of a mid-round pick, or at least that's where he's rated. Could be one of those guys in year three in the WHL where his value really comes to the forefront, especially with some guys moving on in uh, Zamula and uh, and Jet Wu. He might be the guy now in uh, Calgary on their blue line. So coming up for a big year for uh, Luke Prokop, might be a a really good value pick in the middle rounds this year. Big kid that skates really well and uh, has that physical element to his game. So watch for uh, Luke Prokop and see where he goes in the draft this coming June or July or September. Let's hope. Coming up next here on the Pipeline Show, we're going to have a chat with Marisa Baker. She is the uh, team photographer for the Colonial Rockets, does uh, a lot more than just hockey. Uh, but we talked to her about all of that, uh, how she got into it, some of the technical stuff uh, that other shutterbugs out there uh, might uh, have an interest in hearing. But it's a really fun conversation. She was a lot of fun to talk to, and I think you're going to enjoy it. That's next here on The Pipeline Show.
1: Hi, this is Luke Sean of the Kelowna Rockets. Hey, it's Madison Bowie. Miles Bell. Nick Merkley. Hey, I'm Leon Dreisaitl. Hey, it's Tyson Bailey. This is Mitch Wheaton. Hi, this is Tyrell Goldburn from the Kelowna Rockets, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. Rocket man, burning out of the
3: there's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker, and we change lives one job at a time.
0: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. Nobody! Welcome back to the Pipeline Show, where we're going to continue on with this week's episode. Do something a little bit different. Do something I would normally do more in July, in the uh, short, very short off-season. Uh, unfortunately, we all have a very long off-season at the moment. Uh, and one of the things I had scheduled to do this summer was to uh, chat with uh, one of the uh, top photographers covering uh, junior or college hockey. And uh, now that we have some time, I'm uh, pleased to uh, be joined now. Uh, by Marisa Baker, and I hope I remembered to uh, pronounce that uh, that name correctly. Uh, Marisa, uh,
4: no, Marisa is correct. It's all good. <laughs>
0: Excellent. Well, thank you for for doing that. Now, uh, you have uh, the job of uh, taking the pictures uh, with the Kelowna Rockets, and uh, one of the best in the WHL, if not in hockey. Period. How long have you been doing it?
4: jeez. Uh, in the WHL, I think since about uh, '05.
0: It's way back to 2005, so you've uh, yeah. you've been around with uh, well, I guess uh, my math—that's like 15, 16 years now, 16 seasons. Um, so you've seen a lot of the top players coming through. Who are some of the early ones that you remember that have now uh, been playing in the NHL for a while?
4: Uh, well, of course, Shea Weber. Um, he's he's one of my favorites actually because he's always been such a kind person. You know, every time I run into him, but I mm-hmm. feel a bit like his mom. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe his rink mom. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was a kind of started with that kind of crew that went on to the NHL. So Tyler Myers is another one that's uh, that I quite like. He's a very decent person. Um, Jamie Benn is a character.
2: Right.
4: right. <laughs> Always been a character. Um, then there's some of the guys, too, that have gone on to to play in Europe from that time period, like Cody Almond and um, Brandon McMillan, who recently retired. Uh, I heard Cody Beach on the radio the other day coming back from, I think it was Poland.
2: Right. And I
4: think I have photographed Cody, or not Cody, sorry, Kyle. I always get them mixed up, but <laughs> I've photographed Cody and Kyle um, since they played with my sons. So I think we might be going back to Adam. Right. Adam Peewee time period. And um, I understand Cody, the younger of the two, is a WHL referee now, although I, haven't, I didn't see him through Kelowna. And it has children. Wow. And I don't know how that's possible because I am not aging at all.
0: That's right. I know. I'm <laughs> in the same boat. I, You know, we started this show back in 2005, 2006, 2006. Uh, and there are players I had on as juniors who are now retired as pros. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, yeah. that's that's how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, for you, uh, how did you get into this? Uh, I, I I'm assuming you started photography as a kid, maybe in school, something like that. What's uh, what's the background?
4: Uh, well, yeah. I, I mean, I always was the one with the camera. I didn't really take photography in school, um, but I was, you know, I was the one that always was toting a camera wherever we went. Uh, and then I was. Uh, I've been a paralegal for you know a good part of my professional career. Then when I uh, I kind of transitioned when I was working um, in-house for the West Bank First Nation as they were as they were going on to becoming self-governing. And at the time when it completed, I left the West Bank First Nation because it was their mandate at the time. They wanted to employ band members in all of the roles within the administration. Mm-hmm. So I took that opportunity to pick up my camera and have a more flexible schedule and uh, take advantage of the digital era, even though I kind of came in still at the end of film um, and start my own business so that I would be available to run my kids to hockey, soccer, baseball, lacrosse, right. you know, parent, teacher interviews, you name right. it. Right. Um, which is where I started doing their weekend tournaments. And I spent, I think, a good portion of all weekends in all hockey season right. <laughs> in an arena <laughs> of some sort. So yeah, and then I, I kinda started doing more media, um, media work, right, being sent here and there to to cover different games or different series uh for various newspapers and publications across Canada, North America. Um, and then I kinda landed uh with as the team photographer with the Rockets in uh I think it was the oh eight, oh nine season, I think. Yeah, because before that it was all media and then I Became the official photographer in 0809.
0: Okay, and was that an easy transition? Did that change much for your day to day activity as a, as a photographer?
4: Um, it did somewhat, yeah, because it's a different role as a team photographer than it is as a uh, as a photojournalist. Because as a team photographer, you're it's your job to kind of build an archive of the season and the team. Right. So what you're doing is creating their visual brand of, you know, of their players and of their history. So I think it's a bit of a different role than media where the media kind of show up and they get the leisure of just to photograph the game and then they send a couple of images for publication and they're done. Team photographer role is a lot different in my opinion. Well, the way I do it is a lot different anyway because um, I have created an online digital asset library for them where every image that I have taken is cataloged, is searchable, is, is got cut lines in it. Um, I upload in between periods so that media across the country know when the rockets are in intermission, they can go online to colona rockets, and start watching for the images to be uploaded and then download them immediately and get it out. Nice. Yeah. I mean, it works really well. Um, and I started this system in—I don't know how long ago, honestly—a while. <laughs> but I think um, I think Cologne Rockets are the are the first um, forerunners in developing their own digital asset library that that can be searched and media can have access to.
0: Well, it's interesting. Cut's uh, where what my next question was going to be was how different that is and how you operate. Maybe maybe you were one of the first, but is it a standard thing now? Do do most teams and most team photographers have that archive?
4: Well, some of them do, but um, it's not standard. No, I had approached the WHL actually a few years back uh, with this idea and creating what would what I call whlimages.com. Mm-hmm. And my, my drive for that was to be synonymous to NHL images, right, because they have their own image network. But, of course, they're very – tight on who has access to it mm-hmm. but in the in the junior leagues it's a little bit different to try to get the exposure and to get the awareness um, of what's going on in the junior leagues especially now that the media has changed so much that they're like all the print media that we all used to rely on to build brand awareness has been pared down so drastically with cuts right. that you know, that if they don't have access to something immediately, then you're not going to get your game picked up or you're not going to get the story of that player picked up. Or if they can't find an image immediately to go with that piece, you know, it could be a matter of deciding with a piece that has art or a piece that doesn't take the one that's got art. I don't have time to look for art right now. There's nobody, you know, in the newsroom, et cetera.
2: Right.
4: So I think um, I kind of took that on as my role as the team photographer to make sure that none of the hiccups would come when they were looking for rocket stuff. Like, Uh, we've we've got it. It's here. What do you need?
0: That makes sense. Um, And you mentioned NHL images. OHL images exist. Was that sort of – I'm sure you're familiar with what they do in the Ontario Hockey League. They have a couple photographers that do all the teams as well. Um, but that was the same sort of idea that you had?
4: Um, OHL Images is the same system, except they don't, uh, I don't believe that their imagery is cataloged as, as in depth as what I've created. Um, and the other reason, like OHL Images gives their stuff away to anyone, mm-hmm. and that's not something that I agree with. Okay. Um, and I don't know if it's changed. I, sh- I shouldn't say that that's still the case, but uh, it their, their libraries were. We're just open. So our library isn't open. It's, uh, it's on a permission basis and it's, it's basically outlined to all of media and the media come and they request, they were like, they request access to the library. Then I have their information. I can, I can, um, see in the back end of the website what images are being downloaded, when they're being downloaded, um, You know what's what's circulating sometimes I will see an inquiry from um, a media representative in Europe that we didn't even know existed Mm. before and immediately I'll like oh so I'll reach out to them in Europe saying hey you know what are you looking for how can we help you Um, and they're maybe they're looking for an image of Pavel Novak for instance you know um, or European guys And then we're like, well, if you want to regularly pick up your European guys, allow us to invite you to our library. And they're only allowed editorial use and that's it. We don't, we don't do prints, um, unless it's, you know, parents, um, but we don't, we don't monopolize anyway the, the, the pictures for fans or anything like that because it's just not something that we want to, we want (laughs) to do. And some of the guys are already under NHL contracts anyway.
0: Right. All right, so just so I clearly understand and I don't wanna piss anybody off, when if I <laughs> if I tweet out a link to an interview that I do with Jordan Foote and I tag a picture that you took of Jordan Foote as a rocket and I put you know in inside the tweet the little camera icon and, and your Twitter handle, is that okay?
4: Um well I don't know who Jordan Foote is, first of all.
0: <laughs> oh <laughs> <You> mean-
2: <laughs> yes. Thank you.
0: <laughs> i know who
4: you mean i think but
0: <laughs> yes any of the foots put it that way
4: <laughs> you know it's such a tricky thing now you're talking about like, permissions right yes yeah see i would i would prefer and this this is me because it's very it's a muddy area um not from the photographer's perspective but from the media perspective people don't quite understand they think that that's an okay thing to do and i don't Okay. Um, I would prefer that that media person reach out to me and I will give them access. Like, I mean, you and I have had a working relationship for quite a while yes. where I know what you do. I know you're doing it for editorial reasons. And I know that you're, um, you know, you're promoting the players and the team and the league and, you know, you're doing everything that you can. And you're not making millions of dollars from a big, huge network. I want to support you too, right? Like we want to support one another. So we have that um, existing relationship where you have access to everything I've shot because yeah. I know exactly what you want to do with it. Great. Okay. Let's work together, you know, and let's, let's promote it. Um, some of the other places, I don't know, like there's a lot of bloggers out there that just think that they can, you know, right click and save it and then that's okay.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And no, I don't think so. It's not okay. <laughs> because one of the things that we want to make sure is that they're not Like in the world of manipulation and digital manipulation, everybody makes a meme or they put someone's head on somebody else's body or, you know, I don't want to authorize that. Right. You know, so if they take one of my pictures and my digital information is embedded into that picture and then they manipulate that picture in a negative way, I don't want my name associated with that because I haven't authorized that.
0: I hadn't even thought of something like that. You're right. I mean, any sort of manipulation yeah. can be done and it, then it would reflect badly on you and your brand. Yes. Right? Yes,
2: it does.
4: You know, and, and even like with our team as well, in order to um, like, we know that our players are proud of their, of their status when they get to the WHL. And we know that they're working their, their hardest to get to the next level. So at the beginning of the season uh, I've taken all the players emails. I give them all access to our image library, they only get web resolution um, photos and they are under strict regulations that they are only to download pictures of themselves. Hmm. That's it. They can't download their line mate. They can't download their buddy on another team. They can't download anything other than themselves. And the whole idea is so that they can promote their hard work. They can promote their image on social media and it expands the image of the brand and the league. I mean it just keeps going. And it works really well because then how do you explain it? they it shows that they're connected with the team because they're not posting pictures that are clearly watermarked, mm-hmm. which basically says, Hey, I stole this picture. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And you don't want that because you want to be a you wanna be a concise unit, right? You wanna be a collective unit. Everybody's on the same page. So I think it it's important that people realize you know, that you want to you wanna do things right, and there are ways to do it. It's just a matter of connecting.
0: Speaking with Marisa Baker, she's the uh, team photographer for the Kelowna Rockets. You can follow her on Twitter at Marisa underscore Baker, and uh, the spelling of Marisa is M-A-R-I-S-S-A, and Baker is B-A-E-C-K-E-R. Uh, you can also go to uh, shootthebreeze.ca, and that's a uh, it, that's the gallery of all the pictures you take, not just the, of the Rockets and hockey in general, but you've got lots of stuff on there.
4: Yeah, that is my that is my website, um, and I host a lot of uh, hockey and football and Memorial Cup and some NHL stuff. I mean, basically anything – uh, that I have worked on. I, I do a lot of musician photography, a lot of editorial stuff, and I really like motorcycles.
0: Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I, I, I think I saw that at some point along the way. There was a lot of motorcycle pictures, and not just you're not just taking pictures of people on motorcycles. You're a bike rider.
4: Well, I am actually. I ran a motorcycle blog um, for ten years, and uh, I had a syndicated column that went across North America in um, various media outlets and newspapers. So I was riding a lot of different bikes and and reporting on them and providing bike reviews from a lady's perspective. Mm. So it wasn't as wasn't as gearhead as, you know, the guys like the technical stuff. Right. And while that is important to some of the ladies, what's more important is can I operate that thing? <laughs> is that thing too big for me? Can I lift it up? Can I ride comfortably? If I get stuck somewhere in the middle of nowhere, am I going to be able to get myself out of trouble like so it was, it was a lot of fun, actually, because I covered everything from bikes to accessories to people to you know books and you name it.
0: And you're a runner, too, aren't you?
4: Um, I like to think that I am. <laughs> 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 I've, I've been trying to be a runner. Someone actually sent me a message the other day saying, hey, did I see you jogging the other day? And I'm like, oh, thank you. It looked like jogging. That's good.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh well because I, I noticed there's lots of nature pictures as well and, and your uh, your Twitter feed right now has a lot of that because there's not a lot of not a lot else going on these days but uh, and yeah. I wondered with the motorcycle riding and the the, the running we'll call it running uh, <laughs> that you you get outside and now is that is that just for pleasure those uh, the pictures you're taking of nature or Is that an employment opportunity too?
4: Um, It depends. Some of it is and some of it isn't. Uh, uh, Every time I go out for a hike or a walk or something, because I love the outdoors, I always have my camera. So I'm snapping different things, and then sometimes I will see something that is valuable to me, and I'll send it out to different places saying, hey, you know, I kind of like this. What do you think? Um, One of my nature pictures that I had done last May uh, hiking in Kelowna ended up being August in beautiful British Columbia's annual magazine this year. Hmm. Although it should have been May, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um and I love, I love trying to find things in the wild, like moose. I've been on the hunt for a moose for a long time and I found one, but it was too dark. Oh. <laughs> so I barely got to capture it uh, on my Instagram feed. And I found another one once when I was riding the backwoods uh, on a motorcycle. This huge one came out of nowhere and just stood on the path in front of me. And at first I'm thinking, i got to get my camera. No, I better not take my hands off the handlebars in case it comes at me. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to tangle them. No. All right, well, let's bring it back to hockey. Um, Now, when you're doing the job, uh, now you're taking the team photos, like so. You go to the WHL website and the headshots uh, for each player profile page. That's you. Yes. Okay. And the game photos is obviously you. What makes a good action photo? The the, the pictures you're taking during the game. I imagine. I mean, you hold this, the the uh, the shutter button down and it just clicks off a bunch, and you pick sort of a good one out of a series of five or or something like that. How does it work?
4: I would like to be able to shoot hockey that way. Um, but I don't, I can shoot other sports that way. Like that's, that's integral in football to have a high speed shutter. But for me, uh, in the arena at the Rockets, I strobe the arena. Right. So I have eight lights in the rafters and you cannot shoot on high speed sync oh,
2: with, right.
4: with strobe lights. It's like one or two maybe. And the second one would, will be darker because you can't catch your light. So it's, uh, it's more timing than anything else like and i think also i've been on that bench so long and you watch the players and you watch the movements and you watch the plays you you get uh you get familiar with a certain movement or a certain style and you watch a player starting to go into a certain position you know what's coming mm. So it's like follow him, follow him, and then you know you'll you'll get them right at the right moment.
2: Right.
4: One thing I added this year, which is going to take a bit of getting used to, is instead of uh, I started to shoot with a seventy to two hundred and I put a one point four extender on it just to get that much closer to the net. Okay. So I swapped it out for a three hundred, um, and I haven't put the extender on it yet. But the weight of a three hundred lens is significantly different <laughs> so i've been trying to shoot with that lens and it's difficult to do handheld and you cannot mount it on a monopod because i just i can't anyway i just don't have that freedom of movement
2: okay. when
4: i'm when i'm stuck in one position um so i i need to now go to the gym <laughs> <laughs> strengthen my arms <laughs> Like in football, I can use that lens, no problem because I have to have it on a monopod
2: right
4: and and you're down on the grass really low, so you can't you can't maintain that without the assistance of the monopod in football okay. or in baseball even uh, but hockey's just going too quick and you just you can't be restricted like that. so hopefully next year I'll have some different types of images because I want to zero in more on the faces and the emotion i I got a few of those this year, but now I want more. Because normally I'm getting the whole shot, like the whole body, and you know, I I think I I might be stuck in a style.
0: <laughs> I, I love when you get technical with all the uh, the different uh, lenses that you can use and stuff. Now it, it's like me trying to understand somebody from NASA explaining things. So I, I'll pr- I'll <laughs> pretend like I'm following along, but you know, if I go watch Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen gonna use five or six guitars in a night. I, I'm picturing you walking around with three different cameras slung over your shoulder or something. But is it just a matter of it's the same uh, body of the camera? You just put on a different lens? No. Oh, see, <laughs> <I it> was, <laughs> actually, that was a dumb question, but I thought it was good.
4: <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's when you're a photographer and you're a sports photographer, it's basically a, a matter of adding money, <laughs>
2: Yeah.
4: <laughs> right? Um, you, you know, when you're starting out, you can usually only afford one body and one lens, and you work with that until you start. You know, expanding your ideas and and what you want to shoot. Um, on any given night at the Rockets, I'm shooting three cameras. Okay. So I have I usually have one in the net, in a net camera housing, which has got a, usually a fisheye lens on it, so that uh, I can capture the whole bars of the of the net. And right. that one I shoot from remote control in my hand. And then I always have on the bench. I always have a, a zoom lens, like my 300 or my 70 to 200. And I have a wide angle for the up close, um, you know, bench high fives or something action going on in front of me, like fighting or we don't we don't fight in the WHL though. Right. Um, <laughs> nobody fights. Yeah. Okay, my job's funny because they don't do it as much as they used to. That's, that's true. That's definitely true. But I mean, you know, just the trash talk sometimes between the benches is quite comical. So I usually will try to step back as far as I can and try and take a wide-angle shot of the two of them yakking at each other.
0: (laughs) Now, I I see uh, at the NHL level there's a lot of photographers on the bench. They're wearing helmets and stuff. Uh, Do you have to gear up?
4: Um, I don't. I probably should. Um, It's a rule in the NHL, unless you're a team photographer, that you must wear a helmet. Okay. Um, They have not put that rule in in the WHL. I've had some close calls with the puck, but at the same time, being in that vantage point, you know – when you're a hazard and you know when you got to be, you know, watching that puck or get out of the way. Like if the, if the play goes down into one of the corners on my side, um, if it's on our bench side, I will move as far back from the boards as I possibly can, because you know that they're going to dig the puck out of that corner. And if it goes up along the the glass, it runs out of glass as soon as it gets to the bench. So it's coming our way, Right. (laughs) you know, and the other way, is not as bad because there's a piece of glass between myself um, and the visiting team. So I can safely stand behind that piece of glass and I'll be okay. But you just, you got to keep your eye on the puck, right? And some players are like, how come you don't have any pictures of me? And I'm like, were you on the puck? (laughs) Well, I didn't get, I didn't get a chance much when I was out there and that's why. (laughs)
0: i was gonna ask if players ever you know give you requests or something or do you uh, do you get a sense they're almost posing for you at sometimes like i don't know if you take pictures during warm-ups or something like that do they i mean are they putting on a show for you
4: oh and warm-up i think is the time for them to have those types of pictures so yeah i will stand on the bench and i will watch them all um and i'll i'll get a, a nod or a you know, hey over here, or sometimes, sometimes before the game, if a player on another team that they have played with all their life, they're like, Hey, we want to do a picture at the end of warm up. Can you stay on the bench? Sure, I could stay on the bench. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you get other, other players that I don't know. I, I love the goalie from Spokane. He's hilarious. I, I had the camera out. I pointed over to him and he looks at me right away and he starts winking.
0: I'm like, Oh, okay. You
4: want your picture taken, do you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> have you have you had any problems with uh, players or coaches or anything like that about you know where you're standing or or anything like that over the years? I, I imagine there's been once or twice.
4: Um, with the coaches, not no, not really. Uh, I mean, the coaches we're all the same age, so we all understand one another. We all are very respectful of each other's jobs. Um, I think it took a while for a lot of the bench staff to realize that, uh, I wasn't there for the wrong reasons, Mm -hmm. you know? So I don't really have an issue with coaches. I've had a couple of issues with players a couple of times where I've had to go to the coaches and say, Hey, get that player in line because I won't take it.
0: (laughs) Well, without (laughs) naming names, what were they doing?
4: Um, well there was, there was, uh, I've always shot with strobe lights always. Right. So since you know, however, and a certain team had come through and they had played in our arena for at least two, three years, whatever. And this particular game, I was on the ice uh, during the uh, opening on their end of the ice, taking photographs from that side towards our end. Uh, I don't know if that was the first time they noticed me or if that they just decided that that was offensive. I, I don't know. So about three minutes into the game, the goalie, who had played for I don't know how long in our arena, called the refs over and said that my lights were bothering him. Uh. So the refs come over to me to have a discussion, and I'm like, all right, um, I don't know why they'd be bothering him now. They haven't changed for years, but fine. I won't shoot when the play is over center on their side. But when it's on our side, you know, and they're like, yeah, we're with you. We're just letting you know that that's what he's saying. I'm like, fine. No problem. We'll, we'll deal with it in intermission. Because mm. we—I didn't know the rule. They didn't know the rule, so we thought, well, we better figure that out. And this was years ago, too. Anyway, so one of the other players who was standing beside me on their bench, um, and I'm just working, he starts telling me to f off and you know saying some rather uh, disparaging things. Yeah. And I—I I didn't pay attention because they don't talk to me, <laughs> you know. And if they do talk to me, they don't talk to me like that. So it, it, it took me a couple minutes, and I finally turned, and I looked over at him, and he was looking right at me, and I'm like, are you actually talking to me? <laughs> like, and he, he tried to intimidate me, right, by coming around the glass and trying to put his face right in my face and telling me to F off, and I'm like, oh, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that is definitely not going to happen because you are the same age as my son. <laughs> <laughs> my motherly instincts are kicking in full blast and it's all I can do to stop my arm
0: from <laughs> Marisa Baker, a uh, photographer for the Kelowna Rockets, my guest here on the pipeline show. Uh, where do you go from here? Is I mean, is, is there a uh, like players? Do you want to get to the NHL and be a photographer in Vancouver or somewhere else? Or uh, are you uh, happy with the, what you're doing right where you are? Beautiful part of the, the world to live in.
4: Well, you know, I do, I do love photographing hockey. I did have a chance at the NHL, um, but it was ruined rather abruptly and, and unfairly, I think. Do you want to hear that story?
2: Sure, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, I
4: had, I had various games at the NHL and this is my opinion. I have, I have no way of proving whether or not this is true, but this was my take on the whole thing. The media girl at the time that was there, she just didn't like me. For whatever reason she was always snarling or complaining or whatever, and there was one uh there was one game in particular where some of my former rockets who I have photographed since they were fifteen sixteen right. you know now in the n h l uh they they were foam rolling you know outside the media room, and I didn't even see them. I walked by, and one of them called, "Hey, Marisa." So I'm like, oh my god, I haven't seen you forever, and, you know. So I stopped and I leaned on the wall, and we were having a catch-up chit chat,
2: right.
4: you know, um, during off ice warm up. And then the next day, I get a phone call from my editor, and he's he's not happy. He's saying, "Are you speaking to players?" And I'm like, "What? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what what do you mean? I don't know what are you talking about? Because I had no idea. I really didn't." And he's like, are you speaking to players? You can't speak to players. And I'm thinking, I'm not speaking to players. What am I? And I really had to think about it because these guys are, I mean, yes, they play in the NHL, but they're not, they're not that to me. You know, they're, they're my guys. They're, yeah. they're boys from way back when. Um, and then I had to think about it and I said to him, I go, Oh, I said, Oh, okay. I know what you're talking about now. I said, Well, yeah, but I'm not, I'm not trying to pick them up. Like, I'm not trying to land myself a contract. Like, what do you, what, what you know, and he was, he was livid, right? He goes, you cannot speak to players. I don't care if you know them. I don't care your relationship with them, blah, 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 right? And I thought about it and I thought, how weird is that for whoever saw me standing there talking to them to not come up to me right there and then and say, you know, we'd prefer that media don't interact with players. But no, it, it took somebody to decide that I was interrupting people that I didn't even know when I know them and I've known them for a long time. You know, they didn't—they don't know my relationship with these players. Um, to actually not discuss it with me right then and there, but to wait till the next day and then phone across the country to my editor, who then has to phone me,
2: yeah,
4: and rip a strip off of me, and I'm like, well. I didn't think I was doing anything, you know, untoward. And what do I say? I'm sorry.
0: Sounds very petty, especially as the way you described it, the player called you uh, over to talk. And so, I mean, all the media person had to do was ask the player about it. Yeah. That would have nipped it in the bud right there.
4: No doubt, right? And, I mean, how many people do you see interacting with players? How many media guys? I mean, I I get it that the NHL likes to protect their players, and I agree with it. I do. but I'm not, I'm not that person and I'm a photographer. I'm not somebody trying to get a negative sound bite,
2: mm-hmm. you
4: know, or I'm not, I'm not out there trying to get them to tell me something that they wouldn't tell me in a press conference. Mm-hmm. That's not my role, you know. Um, and there were, there was another instance as well where, uh, do you remember the game where Tortorella lost his marbles?
0: Uh, in Vancouver? Yes. The one where he went, tried to get into the other team's dressing room? Yes. Yes.
4: Yeah, I was there. Okay. (laughs) That was my game. So and needless to say, then this is another strange thing. You are accredited to shoot in the arena, right? And you have assigned seats at the NHL. Well, I'm sitting in my assigned seat and there's absolute mayhem on the ice and we have ten guys disheveled in the penalty box. Right. And I'm sitting there looking at the penalty box, going, All right, it's my job to get the story of the game, and this is a big story, holy cow. And I'm thinking I need that shot. I got to get that shot at 10 guys in the penalty box because 10 years from now, we're going to look back on this and look at all the things that happened. Right. So I make a line for the penalty box and I take some photos and whatever. Well, I, that was another thing that, uh, I left my seat. I'm like, when you, I, I can leave my seat to go shoot from the concourse and get the wide angle shot of the whole stadium full of people. I can go, you know, and shoot pictures, in different areas, I have accreditation, but I can't shoot that.
0: That seems a little uh, over restrictive.
4: Oh, it was. It was terrible. I mean, and needless to say, that I, I don't have a shot at the NHL anymore, and not that I care anymore, honestly, because it's if that's how it is, it's far too uptight for my liking. You know, um, the WHL is great. The CHL is great. We all know each other. You know, like I've worked with the CHL at Memorial Cup. The people, we all know each other. We know what each other is capable of. We know what kind of job we're going to do. We know exactly what to do. Um, It's a much more friendly, comfortable environment.
0: Well, speaking of the Memorial Cup, that would have been in your backyard this year. So that's a a big event that is uh, no longer happening. Um, How does that impact you on a professional level?
4: Oh, that was such a disappointment. We worked so hard (laughs) after everything that happened this year, you know, all the trades and the building, the teams and the coach changes and the injuries and you name it. And then that was just the icing on the cake. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, I was, I was booked up until, uh, at end of end of May when I would have run, run into football season. So the last regular season game we had, I think was the 12th of March. And then we were done. That's it. Stand by for nature pictures. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'm assuming that's a loss of a lot of income there too then.
4: It is. It is uh, very much so. Because if you think about it, you're supposed to have we, – we had like five regular season games left, you know, three rounds of playoffs. Well, hopefully three rounds of playoffs. Right. Um, and then, you know, all the work with Memorial Cup because Memorial Cup was going to be – fantastic like there was going to be so many community events to take part in Mm -hmm. i would have been running like 14 16 hours a day going here going there getting this getting that trying to capture the whole thing so yeah it's a bit disappointing for everybody so but what can you do
0: well that's my question so with everything on hold there's no concerts coming through Kelowna or anywhere else these days and obviously all the sporting events what does a person in your situation do to To try to recoup some income. Can you, I mean, can people hire you uh, online like that and and ask you to go out and shoot stuff? Uh, What do you do?
4: Oh, absolutely. I'm doing action shots of board games through living room windows from front yards. (laughs) (laughs) Some of those Yahtzee games can get pretty intense.
0: Oh, man, that was good. Oh, all right. Well, Marisa, listen, I really appreciate your time. Before, Maybe before I let you go, what's left on your bucket list? Are there events that you haven't been able to take part in or, or cover that uh, that you want to? Um,
4: as far as sports
0: goes? Yeah, or anything, really.
4: Yeah. I mean, of course, you always want to photograph the biggest event in each sport, right? So I'd love to cover a Grey Cup, um, uh, especially if the riders were in it because, you know, my blood is green. Oh it's kind of goes with your birth. As soon as you're born in Saskatchewan, there's no other option. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, I would have loved to have, have covered some NHL playoffs, you know, but uh, that's not, that's not in the cards and that's fine. Um, the Olympics would have been great. It's, you know, it's funny because you have all these great things that you want to do and then they, some of them come to fruition and you're like, Oh, well, that wasn't really what I thought. Oh really? Well, like Sports Illustrated, right? Sports photographer's dream, got to be in Sports Illustrated. So when I got noticed that one of my pictures was in Sports Illustrated, I just like burst out the door, got to run, grab a magazine, get it. Because my gosh, I am in Sports Illustrated. Sure. And I flipped through the whole magazine and it was like a one-inch picture of Jordan Everly in the bottom corner on the inside fold. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, and that's my Sports Illustrated debut.
0: <laughs> right, right. Well, I can relate a little. I've had a couple of bylines in uh, in the hockey news which were, were thrilling at the time as well, but, you know, yes. in the end it's, uh, you know, maybe not as big of a a thing as you you uh, dreamt of beforehand, but well, I think I I can understand what you're talking about. But hey, the Olympics may be coming back to Vancouver, uh, right? Isn't that the the talk right now?
4: Well, I've, I've heard about that, yeah, and they're certainly doing a lot of promoting on social media uh, in that regard, showing all the previous Olympic photos from Vancouver. Yeah, it would have been great.
0: Well, we'll see, we'll see if that happens. Uh, Marisa, I really, really appreciate uh, your time. I enjoyed this uh, a lot. I hope we can uh, maybe do it again.
4: Yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, you know, it's, we have a group. Um I should mention this the the main WHL photographers we have a small chat group okay. where we all kind of stay connected um with what's happening across the league and it's the the photographers that have kind of been with teams for quite a while Like who So uh well Candice Ward in Calgary she shoots for Calgary Sports and Entertainment so she covers their football team their lacrosse team the NHL and the Hitmen okay. so she's mainly you know she's all over and we got Chris Mast who uh, covers Everett Silvertips right. down uh, down the U.S. Brian Lees, who's been with the uh, Seattle Thunderbirds for an extended period of time, like as long as I can remember. Um, we talk with Larry Brunt, who's out of Spokane. He covers the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. We got Zach Peters, who's uh, Winnipeg Ice. Keith Hirschmiller, who's with the Regina Pats, and we have Brett Cullen, who's uh, with Prince George Cougars. Okay. So we kind of all stay connected in what's going on between our divisions and between our leagues. And, you know, we all talk about the latest, uh, photography, um, things that are coming up. Like right now, our big, our big debate is mirrorless because some of, the, some of us have switched over to the mirrorless and some of us are kind of hesitating. And, and it's really, it's really quite, um, a very, it's a very knowledgeable group, you know, um, and I think it'd be fun to have like a big panel.
0: <laughs> well, so is that group open to, any uh, WHL team photographer, or are, are you? Is it by invite only?
4: Well, I mean, it, it, at the moment, it's an invite group just because we all have gotten to know one another over the years. Um, we don't know the other photographers that kind of come and go, but uh, hey, if they wanted to reach out and join us, absolutely.
0: All right. Well, maybe some of them will hear this and, uh, and they'll, they'll want to join too.
4: Yeah. I mean, it's a a good group and the knowledge is great and we kind of feed off of one another's energy and it's a little competitive, you know, so it strives. You need a bit of competition to keep getting better at your craft, you know?
0: Ah, yes. Well, Marisa, I really appreciate it. I hope we can do it again.
4: Well, thanks for having me on here. That was great.
0: There you go. How about that? I told you it was going to be a fun conversation. That was uh, Marisa Baker. ShoottheBreeze.ca is her uh, website. And, of course, she's the photographer for the Kelowna Rockets as well. And uh, when I was done chatting with her, there was a couple other people that are in that group of uh, WHL photographers that uh, she neglected to mention. But uh, I told her uh, that I would uh, put their names out there as well. Uh, Erica Perot with the Lethbridge Hurricanes and uh, Rob Walleter with the uh, Red Deer Rebels. Quite honestly, the way I feel about uh, WHL broadcasters, some of the best. Uh, hockey broadcasters at any level are in this league I think very much the same can be said about the photographers uh, that cover this league as well uh, and I really wish the WHL would take Marisa up on uh, her idea of having a big pool like that where everybody contributes to um, a, a big league-wide database that's available because um, boy that would uh, I can stay it from my perspective that would make things a lot easier that's for sure but uh, go check out her website uh, give, it a, give it a look and make sure if you're uh, using any of her pictures, you're going about it the right way. And I think she did a great job of explaining exactly why we should all be following the uh, the rules. A lot of fun. I enjoyed that conversation a lot. Uh, one more to get to on this week's episode. It's going to be a chat with Mark Edwards from HockeyProspect.com. We're going to chat about uh, five players that you need to know ahead of the upcoming NHL draft, whenever that draft is going to be held but also uh what are they doing right now when no there's no games to uh, actually watch and scout and we don't know when the next uh, when the draft will actually happen there's no world u18 this year there's no chl playoffs so what do you do let's find out mark edwards from hockeyprospect.com he's up next here on the pipeline show
3: steal by ryan suzuki put up center race here's Cole perfetti what a chance to win the game perfetti backhand
0: he scores oh perfetti wins it all.
1: Hey, it's Cole Perfetti of the Saginaw Spirit, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show.
0: From the organization that brought you Mark Messier, Matt Benning, and Ian Mitchell, Spruce Grove Saints Junior A-Hockey is officially back. For the 2019 2020 season, with all the action taking place at the Grant Fuhr Arena in
3: Spruce Grove. With tickets starting at just $15 per person, AJHL Hockey provides some quality entertainment. For more information, visit www.sprucegrovesaints.ca.
0: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. The cream will rise to the top. Oh, yeah. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. Back on The Pipeline Show, and uh, we've been doing it all season long. We get the last few seasons, as a matter of fact. Somebody from HockeyProspect.com come on the show, share thoughts on uh, players eligible for the next NHL draft. Pleasure again to be joined by Mark Edwards, the head honcho Grand Poobah from uh, HockeyProspect.com. Mark, welcome back to the show. How are you?
5: I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing these
2: days?
0: Not bad. Strange times, though, eh? I know uh, uh, everybody is affected, and, uh, well, certainly it, it makes uh, being a scout for uh, to watch hockey games a, a lot harder if there's no hockey being played.
5: Yes. Yeah, interesting times here, obviously, and uh, I think, you know, for the most part... Uh, People are being smart here. Um, I've barely been outside. I've been watching a lot of video and, uh, we just gotta, we gotta all commit to this and, and, uh, that's the only way for, for this to, for us to get past this. And, uh, it's, it's obviously no joke, but, um, yeah, for me, my last game was March 11th and in, in Guelph. Um, that was the day before the, uh, temporary shutdown, before the official shutdown. And then didn't really talk to too many guys, uh, the first little stretch, but it just seems like the last week to 10 days as we're getting a little antsy and uh, starting to chat with some NHL scouts again and see what they're up to. A lot of guys watching some video and, you know, some various degrees more than others, but uh, in general, keeping busy and uh, getting in some some player interviews and, and some uh, talking to some coaches, that sort of thing. So, and then us, we're, uh, we're just trying to keep things pretty much business as usual with the obvious exception that we're watching video archive rather than live games. Right. Um, and it's, it's obviously a little different for myself. Um, I've watched a lot of video, uh, since the shutdown. And, uh, I bet you, if I said triple, I might still be going light, um, compared to what I've watched in a whole year. So really, really poured into it. Um, and it's kind of been interesting for me just getting reacquainted with, uh, you know, some of the streams and some of the broadcasters are much uh, better quality and that sort of thing. And then just some of the broadcast teams and, and stuff. And, and then some that frustrate you. Know, Tri-City needs to shrink the top banner. Uh, Sony needs to get rid of yellow numbers on white. And, uh, uh, they got the other ones too. They got their, they got white numbers on, uh, white numbers on their yellows too. Like they're bad enough live. Um, right. But on video, like it's, tough to pick out but the crappy part is i I love both those uniforms i think they're fantastic uniforms i just got to put black numbers on them yeah anyways i dig it i dig it uh but yeah uh, watching the prospects from all over probably focused more you know probably uh more on the top 25 ish guys so far i'd probably be 75 25 watching the uh percent watching the top top guys on the list but um kind of as of yesterday kind of switched over and now i'm going to start watching some of the b-rated guys and, and into the C's, and uh just get a few extra viewings on them so it's, it's been interesting um we we started using zoom actually for our meetings the second half last year right and really liked it and uh we've used it all year this year so it's been uh it's been really good and that goes for you know our q draft and ohl draft um i listened in on a meeting Driving back from scooting one time it was an OHL draft meeting. So it was convenient for me. Uh, plus we can record them. So if I do miss something, um, I can listen. So yeah, that's it. We're, uh, like I said, just trying to stay as business as usual as possible. The OHL draft is is running as normal and we put out bad guys last week. So uh, that's going on tomorrow. So hopefully the, uh, the other leagues follow suit kind of normal. I, I think the NHL is the one where obviously it's a lot more up in the air and not sure when the draft will be, if it'll be, uh, somewhat in uh, the same range as usual, or if we're going to be uh, pumping out our black book in September for an October drafts, who knows. Yeah.
0: When it comes just to the, the, the art of scouting. I mean, one of the things that separated hockey prospect.com from a lot of groups was that you guys are in the rinks and you're watching those games. And you've always talked to us about how important it is to see guys in person. So now that everybody's limited to just watching video right now, is it harder? Is, is do you, Come away feeling maybe you don't have as solid a feel on the players you would if you, you got to watch them in person all year long?
5: Oh, I would if this was uh, October or November for sure. Uh, right. Now, this happened late in the year, so it's kind of like if you didn't know him by then, like, you know, what have you been doing all year? So, this is just some added viewings. Good uh, Some guys maybe I was down viewings a little bit, but yeah, if it was early in the year, for me, uh, I I value video. I, I don't personally enjoy watching. It because some feeds are so bad, but in general, the feeds are getting much better now. But there's certain, there's certain players where like defensemen, for example, can be more difficult on video hmm. because they're not, they're not in the spectrum of what you're actually getting to see. So you're not seeing away from the puck, that sort of thing. Right. And then the biggest thing that I've noticed, um, is the skating. I mean, just, just actually the video speed, for example, it's not obviously always perfect. So you can get really uh, thrown off on the skating aspect when you're watching the videos. So, so for me, I've pretty much seen everybody live, um, with the exception of, of uh, you know, German last year and, and German this year. A little more tricky for me to just make a quick trip to flying into Munich to go right. see uh, a player or two, obviously on our budget, but I think people understand that uh, and we're honest and upfront about it. Um, you know, we've had some Russians before, uh, you know, KHL or something like that, in the same boat where they weren't in international events, but you know, for you know, ninety-nine percent of the guys I've seen them live. I've seen the skating live. I have a pretty good feel. So you just backing up what you see live with some extra viewings, and that's never going to hurt. I mean, NHL teams are are using video as well, but yeah. they're they're never gonna they're never gonna substitute the live viewings. It's just too important. So,
2: it's
5: it's been an interesting process, you know, to, to do this a little bit differently. In in a way, it just kind of feels like. um You know, I'm looking outside and it's been like, you know, five degrees, eight degrees. And usually it's in May where I'm kind of in this mode on the couch working on the book. And it's, you know, 18, 19, 20 degrees. So I kind of just feel like like this three weeks in March uh, kind of felt like what I'm usually doing in May. And it's throwing me off a bit. And, And the other thing was in April, sometimes you get little gaps as the teams drop out of the playoffs um but i'd still have just the odd night where i could you know get off the laptop and go see a game live and kind of get out of the house so Mm -hmm. going a little stir crazy from that standpoint Mm -hmm. it'll be a lot probably a lot worse when i get to may and we really dig into the last month of putting the book together but uh at the same time it's been interesting uh i've watched i mean i watched eight drysville games last week and like i've really poured in some viewings on on some guys here uh and just, you know, why not? Just, yeah. just get a few extra viewings, and uh, i got nothing better to do.
0: Well, and when it comes to rankings, the last one that came out for you guys was in a mid to late January, and, of course, the Black Book usually will come out in, in uh, early June, right, a couple of weeks, two, three weeks before the draft itself. Now, that's in a normal year, and you would have another one probably about this time, wouldn't you, end of March, something like that normally, uh, but not this year because everything's uh, on hold. So without a playoff and, uh, you know, the playoffs in the CHL and the USHL and and everything else, the U18s is gone. How does that change things for you now? Um, I, obviously, your next release, I'm guessing, is the Black Book. It, as you said, don't know when that's going to come out yet. But is there another ranking to come out still between now and then?
5: No. So normally, this, this year has been a little bit different in that. January 15th, the day of the process, the top prospect. game, I think it was the 15th or 16th top yeah. prospect, uh, morning we release. So normally, uh, we release one about a month or so later. Initially, I just wanted to try doing something different. So NHL central releases that one there, and then they don't release again until, um, their final list. So I just thought for a change this year, we would skip that kind of late February ranking and go, uh, all the way to our book. Now, as state it has <laughs> I could be a little longer than normal. Um, right now, my plan is to just get the book done, uh, like we usually do. Usually we might finish June 7th and put it out the day later. It's not sitting here done for a week. Trust me. Uh, it's, I mean, there's been times where it was finished at 2 PM and then released at 6 PM, that right. kind of thing. Right. Um, so right now the plan is to just stay like, I think last year it was June 8th. Uh, this year the draft's a week later, so in my head I had, you know what, we might have an extra few days where I could, uh, you know, just kind of look it over again and make sure and maybe put it out the 10th this year or something. So right now, as speaking today, that's kind of the mode I'm in. All the guys are on that schedule, like it's gotta be done, say, you know, that early week in June and we'll get it out. But that said, you know, between now and then we find out the draft is gonna be, you know, there's gonna be play our, Games played in in July and uh, August in the NHL and the drafts not going to be this September October. Well, I might withhold it a bit and we might just try and tinker with it. Maybe put something in there we, we normally wouldn't have time to do. I don't know. I, this is just stuff I'm toying with at this point. But yeah. as of today, give to try and keep everything just like normal.
0: How much do in a normal year? Say last year, how much did the the World U18 and the CHL playoffs and the the draft combine influence the final rankings
5: um they, they play a part for sure um you know there's there's times where there's it's usually just um a player here and there you know so it might be i go into the u18s with with uh three or four guys that i really just it's going to matter more for them maybe i'm down a bit on live viewings or or whatever or want to see them in person their size uh, you know we still you know, the midterm NHL list, for example, has a lot of unconfirmed sizes. So as I'm watching video here, there's some guys I'm like, uh, yeah, I just don't think that's his actual height, so mm. to speak. So I like that for the combine. I'll go into the combine and literally stand uh, right above where they're doing the heights and weights and watch them come in because there's there might be four or five per year where I really want to see that final measurement. And, you know, it's not going to change the kids' round, like three rounds or something, but it might – might change in uh, a few spots in our rankings. So every little bit of information helps. Uh, the U18 is, is obviously one that that I was looking forward to. And, uh, it was four hours away this year, a nice little drive. Uh, would have been convenient as well, but uh, my guess is that Plymouth will get it next year. That's just a guess, no inside info, but a guess that they'll just get it next year. And, uh, hopefully everything starts in the fall and, and next year is normal. That's more my concern right now that, that, uh, we even have the junior leagues back in the fall, the way things are heading, but yeah. um, we'll, you know, a lot of time between now and then, and we'll see where things are headed. But, you know, to answer your question, we'll miss the U18, uh, the combine, if there is nothing, we'll miss it. You know, interviews, teams will miss it. Um, most, most of the guys I talk to, they don't quite know yet what, what their plan is for, you know, maybe trying to gain some of that info. So it's, a lot of unknowns you know that uh, you you see it when every time you hear an nhl report it's it's we don't know we're just making contingency plans and right now my contingency plan is to run things as normal get the book out normal time and if the drafts is later i might alter that and just you know literally try and make it a little bit better and release it a little bit later but other than that all things normal
0: All right, well, let's treat things like uh, it's normal days. Uh, Mark Edwards from HockeyProspect.com is my guest. We're going to chat about uh, five guys uh, that you have, uh, four of them, inside your top 31, that uh, top 31 that came out in January. Let's start with Jake Sanderson, who I had on the show right before the world came to a screeching halt, a defenseman with the U.S. U18 program. Uh, Your thoughts on uh, Jake Sanderson, who you have uh, right now pegged at number 22 and I think the fourth defenseman. Uh, in your uh, in your rankings,
5: yeah. So this is a really interesting prospect. Um, and then the release of our ranking was interesting, based on the uh, the All American game was right after. Um, so going back to our 2019 Black Book, we had them uh, ranked 25th overall in that uh, you know ranking that we released with the Black Book last June. And then flash forward to January, which was the list you just referenced. Um, we had him 22nd. And that was just before both the CHL prospect game uh, and the All-American prospect game. Mm-hmm. So I saw him a few times in November, and then a game versus uh, Wisconsin on New Year's Day. Uh, he was solid, uh, nothing to complain about. Um, based on, the, the especially the early, uh, so the, the September, October, November mm-hmm. viewings, if I was to kind of give you the you know, the feel he gave me, it would have been um, kind of playing a style similar to a Tobias Bjornflot, which was a Kings first round uh, pick last year. Kind of very few mistakes, fantastic skater. Uh, he's one of the best in the class, by the way. And they're just kind of leaning more towards that stay at home, real shutdown role right. kind of game. And uh, the Kings took, you know, Bjornflott, uh I think 22nd, actually, overall. Then, um, that all American prospect game happened just, uh, so we released, I think on the Thursday or something like that. And then it was the next Monday night and he was really good and it was a kind of a different level of good. He played a much more offensive game mm-hmm. and skating packs more and showing a lot of creativity. Um, I thought even just more, more poise and more confidence and he was lashing more skill as well. So, you know, one, one state said to me, if he keeps that up, he'll be rising at my list. Um, and it was just kind of for that offensive um, uh, kind of flair he was all of a sudden, you know, putting into his game. Mm-hmm. So a reporter, uh, Rachel Halliwell, who joined us in January, she actually um, interviewed him and uh, she asked me about him in preparation to interview him. And I told her that he was one of the most improved players in the draft. And it wasn't because his skating all of a sudden got better or something like that. It was just simply because of how he chose uh, to all of a sudden start playing the game. So she, she told him that that's what we thought. And he actually agreed. So it was just interesting to hear him say that, you know, he, he did make that change to his staff. Um, so just, you know, just quickly to sum him up, uh, he's probably conservatively top five skater in the draft. Uh, I think he's great puck retrievals, um, really strong aspect of his game, high attention to detail, um, his defensive end, uh, really good decision-making, and uh, not really anything you would jump out at you that he has is some sort of weakness. Uh, the only thing you would say is you just start to question how high the offensive potential is because he started showing it kind of halfway through the year or at least around that mark as opposed to all year, but um, definitely a guy that will be higher than 22 on our list uh, whenever we release that uh, final ranking. All
0: right, that's uh, Jake Sanderson with the U.S. National Development Team. Now, a guy you have in your top five, in fact, fourth overall, is Cole Perfetti, uh, another guy who was on the show not that long ago. 37 goals this year uh, and 74 points in 61 games, and I think everybody knows about the offensive uh, ability that he has. Um, give us a complete picture of the one Cole Perfetti. Yeah,
5: obviously, uh, we haven't ranked that high, so we're obviously high on him as, as well as many others. Um, my fourth year watching him because he played up the year in minor midget, um, so he played two years minor midget, his second year obviously being the one where he was eligible for the draft. Uh, he was really good both years of minor midget, um, he was an impact player, uh, but under playing minor midget as well. I interviewed him. Uh, during the, uh, Canada Russia series, uh, I liked him. Uh, I might actually try and talk to him again here, uh, cause it was kind of a, kind of a quick, uh, rushed interview, but, um, I, I did like him that night. I thought that he, uh, had a good grasp of, of where he was at as, as a player and, and his own game. Uh, that he's a bit hard on himself, which I don't necessarily mind, uh, cause he's kind of pushing himself. Um, really good hockey sense for this kid. I mean, we're, we've we got him as our, our top number rating for, for hockey sense. Um, and uh, that pretty much says it all. And that's the first thing that that uh, we look for or when we're evaluating. So that would obviously give you an indication of why we have him so high. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think definitely it's, it's, it's not, the highest hockey IQ in the draft and he's top three. Um, And when I say that, it's it's processing speed is just fantastic. So, um, you know, you say a lot of guys, you know, they can't think as fast as their feet. Well, his feet might not be that fast, but the brain is definitely fast enough. Um, The skating is is probably what you're always going to hear as the weakness. Uh, I'd be shocked if that wasn't what's brought up. Um, I think between the blue lines, you know, he doesn't have that that pull away speed, mm-hmm. but I think his short area quickness is actually decent. Um, and he's good on his edges and everything. His, elusiveness uh, is as good as agility. Um, he's a true dual, dual threat as far as, uh, he's got a fantastic shot and his, his, uh, vision, creativity, uh, making guys around him better. I think the skating, you know, I talked about, I think it actually has got better this year. Uh, it's far from probably where he wants it to be. um, that I talked to him about that. He's been working on it. That's his focus. Um both on ice and off ice, doing some stuff to try and help out some quickness. And then the only other thing that that I like to see better is just um in the compete area. I think sometimes there's there's areas where you maybe could compete a little bit harder. Um but I don't think it's a it's that level of concern. Obviously if it was, we wouldn't have him top five. But if I was to pick another area where I'd like to see him just be a little bit better. It would be that, that kind of that compete number, that compete rating that we get.
0: Now, he had 37 goals, which is terrific, but he matched uh, his uh, previous season total, so he didn't advance that number at all. Is that an, at all a concern for you, or do you just say, hey, 37 goals is 37 goals?
5: I have no concerns whatsoever ever about any part of this offensive game.
2: Okay. This
5: kid is, is, you know, top of the class here as far as, both uh, his ability to score and his ability to uh, make guys around him better, with, with, like I said, is that vision and creativity. I mean, if you if you go back and watch all his goals and all his assists, which I've done, it's jaw dropping at times how good some of the plays are.
0: All right, uh, let's go to uh, Brendan Brisson of the Chicago Steel. Uh, that's a juggernaut team this year in the USHL and uh, have several draft eligible players. Uh, he is the top amongst those guys and uh, comes in seventeenth on your list the top guy out of the the USHL this year uh, for you. Uh, 59 points, 24 goals in 45 games. Uh, I have not uh, spoken with uh, Brennan Brisson yet, so tell me about him.
5: Yeah, uh, another skilled player here. Um, Biggest concern is probably uh, compete off the puck and a little bit of skating as well. Uh, So similar to who we just talked about in Perfetti. Mm-hmm. Um I, I would say the compete is kind of at the same level as competi uh, as competi as perfetti. It's it's not a huge glaring huge weakness. Um, but probably at the same level where there's just times where you just wish he, you know, got a little bit dirtier, uh, got in there in some of those battles a little bit more. Um but again, we've got him ranked pretty high, so obviously we don't think it's it's a stopper for him. Right. Um I wouldn't call him overly physical, but I wouldn't call him, you know, scared or soft. Um, just kind of relies on more of a finesse style of play. Um now we get to the, the good stuff. uh his one timer he I mean he does it he makes it look like it's second nature like he's taking a a sip of water like it's just on on the tape off the tape accurate um, it's a fantastic one timer and he uses it a lot if you if you to roll back and watch all his goals, there's a ton uh, of him getting fed. Nice little setup and and him blasting home that one timer, which leads me to one little concern is that a lot of his goals are on the power play using that one timer. Um, if I was to talk about a guy like uh, Jacob Perot who's who also has a high end skill, just uh, scored in some different ways uh, compared to a we saw, and same with a Jack Quinn, another guy who scored a lot of goals this year. Right, you no, know, they're not just scoring on that. Same kind of one-timer, standing stationary off the power play. Whereas Brees Saunders, a good chunk were on that play. Uh, that said, he's not just a goal scorer. This is another player similar to Perfetti uh, with really good creativity and playmaking ability, good vision, and uh, excellent hockey sense, similar to Perfetti. So made it look uh, easy at times in the USHL this season, which is obviously a good sign. Uh, he was dominant the World Junior A Challenge. Uh, you could argue he was the best player there. Um, the excellent shot, playmaking abilities, thread soft, accurate passes. Um, and uh, really, there's a lot to like. And I've, I've kind of highlighted those two little issues where there's room for improvement.
0: All right, he's headed to Michigan, so uh, lots of time for whichever team drafts him to, to wait for him. Uh, Luke Evangelista comes in 31st uh, on your... Uh Top 31 of the, the London Knights forward. I believe he's listed as a right winger. Uh, 61 points in 62 games, including 23 goals. Uh, tell me about uh, Luke Evangelista.
5: Um, I don't do much OHL draft scouting anymore. I'm not like I used to. The last few years, I've kind of just toned it down and our guys are taking care of that. Uh, I sit on some meetings and see the odd guy. But uh, this was an Oakville kid and I live in Oakville. So I saw him a couple times going back uh, three years ago and uh, I remember debating actually with one of our scouts about him for our final ranking. Um, anyway, I really liked him, and I was surprised at his slow start to his OHL career when uh, I got out there in his rookie season. Um, I think his lack of physical strength probably played a part. Uh, he's stronger now, so that's obviously helping. But, you know, he posted a whopping I think two assists in 25 or 26, 27 games, something like that. Uh, and he's got the Um, over 20 goals uh, this season, I believe. Yeah, 23. Yeah, so well-rounded player. Um, You know, when I saw Dale coaching um, Dawson Mercer with uh, the Team Q uh, versus uh, Russia in the Russia series,
2: Mm -hmm. I
5: kind of figured Dale would like him because he's a smart, reliable player. Um, And, you know, when you're looking for for those guys, you know you're kind of be top six heavy as far as ice time. And, and knowing Dale, the way he does things, watching London for so many years. He's going to want guys that, if they're limited shifts, that he can trust and put out there. So I kind of figured that Dawson Mercer would be that type because he's so smart and reliable, a relentless uh, work ethic. And as it turned out, obviously, that's exactly what happened. Played a thirteen forward or fourth line role. Was effective on his limited ice time. So Evangelista has kind of transformed um, from that trying to get in the lineup guy to a guy similar to what I just said about Mercer, that is a, a guy Dale trusts and playing all kind of situations. Uh, he's played everything from first line to, to third line. He plays PK. He'll be out there late in the game in a, in a one goal game. Uh, so become a really reliable player. Uh, and the growth compared to last season has, has been phenomenal. Um, wasn't originally posted on the top prospects roster, which kind of surprised me. They did a good job uh, when there was some injury, uh, some injuries that he was uh, if not the first replacement, one of the top uh, or one of the first replacements uh, to go in there. And uh, he had a decent game. So we had him as a B-rated player, uh, which is a second or third round grade. Obviously having him 31st ranking uh, points to us, being willing to take him in the second round. Um, I think when all is said is done on our final list, that B grade will hold. And, uh, I don't know what the final number will be, but I can't imagine it strained too far from, you know, 31 uh, that we had back in January. He's, he's just another one of these knights that's, that's really, uh, you know, grown his game from a, an undersized kind of not physically ready, um, skilled forward and then transformed into a much more complete game. I mentioned Rachel uh, Howell interviewing Sanderson, and she's actually interviewing Evangelista, I think, today, um, and uh, so we'll get that up sometime soon as well.
0: All right, we'll watch for that. Uh, lastly, Nico Dawes, the goaltender, who uh, this is his third year in the OHL, but the first year where he really got to be the starter uh, for the Gulf Storm uh, and uh, took that opportunity and ran with it. A six foot four, a two hundred ish pound uh, goaltender. Uh, we saw him, he, well, he was getting a lot of headlines this year and, and a lot of opportunity as well. Uh, what did you see from him this season?
5: Yeah, I mean, this is, this is one of those stories. Just, it's nice to see uh, a kid, uh, you know, have a season like he did and probably fulfilled a lot of dreams this year with, with the way the season's gone, making Team Canada. And, but uh, obviously good size. He moves well for a big kid. Uh, I just interviewed him, uh, where are we here, just last week. Uh, early this week the ham, I the remember. and the days are blending together great kid though uh i thought he was really honest um good sense of humor um we actually told him that we had a pretty good write-up on him after his rookie year and he said wow and laughed and <laughs> kind of laughed at the fact that we had that but you know we explained it was based on tools and potential and which is exactly now what he started to turn uh started down the path of uh realizing that potential so I asked him about a few specific plays and games and he knew exactly what I was talking about. Uh and uh including one play in a game in London. Um he, he overslid uh the, the far uh left post and, and uh and I, I think he almost fell down and I asked him to remember that play and he laughed and he knew exactly the play and he said, Yeah, I tripped and it was pretty embarrassing, especially of course I had to do it in in London and find nine thousand but uh I really liked him. Um, and not just to the you know, the, the sense of humor, but just, uh, he, he really had a good grasp of, uh, of kind of where his game's at and what he's working on and, and talked to him about his summer. Uh, you know, he lost the the weight. He said, you know, I, I looked at the net and I knew I was going to be in for a battle and the situation in Guelph and went into the summer with a goal of, of doing everything that he under his power, what he could do to give him the chance to succeed this year. And, uh, he told me that the weight loss effect did have a big uh, impact on his game. So uh, another one that Rachel's going to be talking uh, talking to uh, in the near future as well. So the interview I had with him will not be online, but uh, Rachel as well. So as far as his game, uh, really good glove hand, uh, good recovery, especially the, the size. Uh, I like his rebound control, quickness for a big kid. Um, you know, I did... I like when they, when I say when I, when I talk to the players and they know their game, uh, and that's both good and bad. So when I talk to him about kind of what's changed, he said that he got a wake-up call. You know, he said he went into the OHL thinking it was going to be easy, and he quickly found out that he was way off base and in la-la land, that sort of speak. Um, we asked him about his second half this year uh, compared to his first half where his numbers dropped a little bit. He said he didn't lose any confidence. Uh, but then when he broke down the tape with his coach, he noticed the lack uh, of detail and attention, or attention to detail, from the first half uh, compared to the second half. Um, you know, the first half, he was doing all little things. In the second half, when he watched tape back, he noticed that he was kind of doing some bare minimums at times. Uh, so he talked about, you know, an example was only moving as fast as he felt he needed uh, to kind of react to an OHL Uh, shooter getting across his net as opposed to just doing it as crisp and as fast as he could, which is what he'll have to do in in the pro game. So I just, I just like the way he, uh, you know, he's constantly uh, assessing his own game and and realizing that and not afraid to admit when he screwed up.
0: Now outside your top 31, but uh, when it comes to goaltenders, you only have one in the top 31, that being the Russian and the Yaroslav Askarov. Uh, how far down the list of just goaltenders is Dawes? Is he the next guy? Or
5: I think Dawes has a chance to be the next guy. It's not set yet, to be honest with you. Um, you know, last year we made a separate goalie list um, for the book, and we'll probably do the same thing. Um, I would think Dawes has a chance to, to be in that top 50-60 uh, guys on our list, for sure. Uh, yeah. In fact, I'd be shocked if he's not in that top 50-60, but to be perfectly honest, we haven't done it yet. Uh, but he's he's got a chance to be the second goaltender on our list, yes.
0: Well, Mark, great rundown, and uh, I certainly wish you the best of luck uh, putting together the Black Book, and I know you guys are going to be uh, busy and having lots of meetings and uh, watching lots of tape. Uh, thanks for taking time out from that to uh, – Back onto the pipeline show.
5: Yeah, my pleasure. Stay safe out there, and uh, hopefully, this uh, we get through this faster than uh, than it looks, and everything's back to normal in the fall, and we're we're back in the junior ranks and have at least a normal fall as opposed to this kind of upend in spring.
0: Thanks to Mark Edwards of hockeyprospect.com for coming on the show once again as he and his staff do uh, throughout the season for the last number of years. Looking forward to continuing that uh, into this uh, extended offseason. Of course, they are they are still busy, as you heard him say, the OHL priority selection going on as I speak with you right now. The first round is uh, in the books. Ty Nelson, the first overall pick this year by the North Bay Battalion. Pano goes second overall to uh, Niagara. Max Nemestikov. To Sarnia at number three, Bryce McDonald. Excuse me, Bryce McConnell Barker uh, goes fourth to the Sioux Greyhounds. Um, Paul Ludwinski to the Kingston Frontenacs. I don't know any of these players yet. I don't know the guys in the uh, uh, WHL Banham draft uh, until uh, well, until really, until they're in the WHL. I don't really have time to go watch Bannum hockey or anything like that. So uh, I don't know the guys that are being chosen by the uh, OHL teams right now. Uh, But those are the top five in case they mean something to you. And with that, we're done for this week's episode. I can tell you who's coming down the pipe next week uh, on the program. I have a uh, planned conversation with a former Edmonton Oil King, now member of the Florida Panthers, Mark Pasek. Uh, I mentioned earlier today in this episode, uh, Ben King will be in the 2020 draft spotlight. Uh, He plays for the Swift Current Broncos. And another conversation sort of outside of the box uh, here for the Pipeline Show. Gentleman I had on uh, a number of years ago, actually. Uh, his name is uh, Cameron Hughes. He, you might know him as uh, the, the super fan who are uh, visible at a lot of sporting events, not just hockey. Uh, but he's the guy who uh, dances around the stadium. He's uh, wearing multiple T-shirts and uh, rips them off one at a time, gets the crowd going. Uh, I have reached out to him and we've chatted a little bit. And it uh, looks like we'll have a conversation with him next week as well. So if you have any questions for any of those guests, uh, you can fire them off to me uh, on Twitter at TPS underscore Guy, or you can email them to me, Guy at com and we can have some fun. A quick thank you to everybody who has signed to be a patron at patreon.com slash thepipelineshow. There's been a few who have done so well lately. I really appreciate that as... sponsorship for the Pipeline show has kind of dried up as nobody is advertising right now. Uh, In fact, businesses all over the place are laying people off. So it's uh, tough times for that for sure. So uh, patrons who, um, listeners who sign up to be patrons, that's really the only sort of income I've got coming in right now from the show. So I appreciate uh, those who have done that. Two bucks a month. and You can get early access to all the interviews that you hear on the show as well. Uh, so check it out see if it's uh, worth it to you. It's all automatic to your credit card. I don't see your credit card numbers or information at all. It's all done securely through PayPal and Patreon. And you can uh, stop and start anytime you want. So uh, give it a give it a look and see if it's right for you. Patreon.com slash The Pipeline Show. Until next week, I hope you're well. I hope your families are doing well. And uh, let's get back together and uh, chat next week here on the Pipeline Show. Till then, I'm Gee Flaming. See ya.